the search for justice in an unjust world. That's a theme that never gets old. Teachings about justice form the bedrock of the Bible and the Quran. A steady stream of superheroes battle it out for box office glory every year. Greek myths and folklore positively bursting at the seams with stories of justice and vengeance. And it's the search for justice that inspires Jorge Requena Ramos. The Mayachi Ghost is a man who does not know if he's dead or alive. A writer that comes in the night and finds people who are unjust, who are unfair, who are criminals, who are sinners. Requena Ramos was born in Mexico, and he's a founding member and lead singer of the Mariachi Ghost, an eight-piece band based in Winnipeg. The band mixes the sounds of traditional Mexican music with searing rock and four-part harmonies inspired by Mennonite choirs. It is a wild mashup of culture and sound that, according to its creators, could only be made in Canada. The Manichigos is, is an entirely Canadian experiment. It's, we were able to create something that was multicultural, a reflection of the city that we live in. So it's a very, very Canadian experience, and, and we're very proud about that. That's Jorge Requena Ramos. Here's his bandmate, lead guitarist Rafael Reyes. Reyes grew up in El Salvador during a devastating civil war. It was very dangerous to even get caught with a record or cassette or uh, or listening to a, a clandestine radio, radio stations that would broadcast this music. Uh, very politically charged words had a lot of meanings and um, the governments were afraid of people with voices. <laughs> Hey, my name is Paolo, Pietro Paolo, Jorge and Rafael of the Mariachi Ghost. Join me next on Countless Journeys from the Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21. Countless Journeys. The, the plane began to descend, but we had no idea where we were. We noticed in the distance a terminal building with the Canadian flag, and uh, we had to basically fight for our lives. At that time, it was Portuguese women coming to Canada, like my mother. We were coming here to build a better life, but also to help build Canada. Nous sommes venus ici, le Canada nous a donné le meilleur. Alors, donnons au Canada le meilleur. Instead of feeling torn between my two realities, I decided to feel happy wherever I am. Slowly but surely, I came to realize that, hey, I can make something out of this here. J'ai vraiment réalisé la force de ce pays. Everywhere I travel now, there's no place like coming home to Canada. The Mariachi Ghost was formed in Winnipeg in 2009. When they get on stage, they are something else to look at. They look sharp in mariachi-style embroidered suits and skull makeup on one half of their faces, inspired by the Mexican celebrations around the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. Now, that's just the way they look and their sound. It delivers a jolt to your soul. Progressive rock meets mariachi with explosive riffs soaring guitar solos, 
and harmonies inspired by the Mennonite choral music that their Canadian-born bandmates grew up singing. They have two albums, their award-winning self-titled debut in 2013, as well as 2019's Puro Dolor. And I can testify that a couple of hours spent on YouTube drinking in their visually stunning catalog of music videos, well, that is time well spent. Jorge Requena Ramos and Rafael Reyes spoke with me recently from their homes in Winnipeg. Thank you for coming on Countless Journeys to speak with me. No problem. Yes, thank you for having us. It's great to have you. Uh, and I want to begin by uh, asking that question uh, that I think anyone who is an immigrant to Canada knows, which is the origin story. Uh, we all have an origin story about how we came to call Canada home. And maybe I'll begin with you, Jorge. What's your origin story, your path to becoming a Canadian? How did you come to Canada? Um, I uh, I lived in Mexico City. I knew pretty much that I didn't want to live in Mexico City. Um, it, it's a city where you need to spend the majority of your waking life in a car. Uh-huh. But uh, I ended up coming on a trip to Canada to look at some universities. And I found the University of Manitoba at a fair in Mexico City. Huh. And I, I, I knew of the films of Guy Madden because I was an avid Cinematheque attendant. And uh, I realized that Guy Madden was one of the teachers at the University of Manitoba, which was exciting. Um, and I uh, came to Winnipeg to visit in that tour. And uh, I really liked the pace of Winnipeg. A different pace from Mexico City. Very different pace. I left the airport and I think I saw three cars and it was 6 a.m. <laughs> Uh, on a Saturday, but in Mexico City, I used to go exercise at 6 a.m. on a Saturday, and there was already traffic. So uh, it felt like um, my brain grew a couple of sizes in terms of like the space that was that, that I was allowed to have huh. for myself. Um, and so I came in a very privileged way. I was very, very privileged to, to pick the place that I was going with pretty much no trouble. It just landed here and it was easy. Rafa, your 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 journey to Canada is is a different story from Jorge's. I wonder if you can tell me about about your origin story. Yeah, um, so we came here in, uh, in the late nineties with my parents. We were uh, grew, we grew up in El Salvador with uh, my mom and my dad, and my brothers. the The nineties were a period of uncertainty in El Salvador, a post war place. A lot of um, People with no jobs and a lot of violence, so we were not impervious to some of that. Uh, and unfortunately, we had to have a, a, a family tragedy for us to decide, you know, that uh, it was for the for the best of what well, my parents thinking of their children to to take us away from that. So we applied to come to Canada as uh, landed immigrants, and uh, it was a long process and took a couple of years to get there, but finally we were approved and we thought that Canada was uh, a fairly short distance. Um, <laughs> everything mm-hmm. is a fairly short distance. We come from a small place, right? You can drive across the, the, the country in a couple of hours. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and so we thought, you know, let's, let's pick a place that's close to family. We had some family here already uh, in Vancouver, Edmonton. So we thought, you know what? Winnipeg s- seems like a good place, you know? We had no idea what the city was like, and we just knew that it was right in the middle of Canada, so we just wrote down Winnipeg on the application, and and then yeah, we <laughs> just ended up here on a cold February day. <laughs> oh wow! Yes, yeah. Um, 
but it was a very um you know the process itself it's 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 scary uh, um you know to to make that change we, sure. we our our change was absolute um there was no going back at least not immediately um so it was a, a brave thing uh for my parents to do they they had careers my dad was uh you know he was an engineer and he was also a teacher and my mom uh, she was a fi- finance advisor at a bank um so you know they had jobs and we had friends we were in school and so it was it was an uproot and a, a replant yeah and and coming here i mean the, f- the first thing you got to do is find a job to give you a bit of a break at the beginning but you got to start paying um, mm-hmm. a lot of those fees for landing in Canada because it's not free. A lot of people think it's free. Mm. Uh, people pay their way here, um, you know, and the government of Canada is generous that allows us to take the time to pay back and to build that life here. So, yeah, it was it was a slightly different approach, but we're here, happy we're all here and that we can <laughs> create music and mm-hmm. be artists. <laughs> How did you two meet? I've been around um, playing music in Winnipeg for a while, uh, but by the time I, I met uh, Jorge in the band, um, I was at the time playing in a Beatles cover band, playing the local pop scenes. And a friend of mine who uh, w- was working with Jorge at the time in Mariachi Ghost, he was a guitar player, he came to see me and he says, you know, there's a band that you probably will fit better than me. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, uh, so that's how I met Jorge. We became really fast friends right away, talked about music and talked about music that we liked and talked about uh, what we wanted to do and it uh, fit perfectly to what I wanted to do as well. Jorge, what did you talk about? uh, Tell me about those conversations when you first met Rafael. Uh, My brother was living in Winnipeg at the time and my brother and I were were doing the interviews for the band. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, I I was listening to the Laos and the Comatorium or maybe Francis the Mute from the Mars Volta <laughs> yes. uh, in, in, in the car. And then um, we closed the door of the car and walked into Rafa's house and he was listening to the same song. No way. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, it's mad to be. This is pretty interesting. And we just had a long conversation about that album and a couple of other Pink Floyd albums. Um, and uh, you know, what Rafa wanted to do uh, in the band. Um, and uh, it, was pretty, it was pretty clear right away that that we should do it, and so uh, it, it just it, it went it went without a hitch very quickly. That's that's so cool. I, I want to ask you uh, about the Mariachi Ghost, but in a minute, I, I, because I first I want to hear about these influences and these musical backstories that you have: Pink Floyd, the Mars Volta, traditional music, all of these influences that get woven into you know the new music that you end up making, uh, Jorge. Tell me about about your musical background, how you grew up. Was was your family into music? How did music come to play such a large role in your life? Yeah, my mom is a choir teacher, um, and she uh, um, she instilled um, very forcefully <laughs> singing uh, in our house. And uh, my grandfather spent his entire afternoon every day playing guitar. He never got better at it playing guitar um, and playing old corridos. I spent the summers at his house and uh, we used to spend the morning on horseback and the afternoon uh, watching him play and would sing with a very raspy um, voice, uh, totally out of tune. Um, uh, songs that he used to sing for my grandma who by then had passed. Hmm. And uh, and I learned to be um, disciplined about it from my mom. And um, I think when I met Rafa, I was at a point where I had been in Canada long enough to miss 
Mexican music. I really wasn't interested in Mexican music when I was growing up, especially because I cared about the Ramones and the Sex Pistols Uh and, uh, you know, New Wave and Depeche Mode. And I didn't really want to be uncool and and get a mariachi suit and and get on there. But uh, I knew all the songs. I knew all the material. I knew all the music and my grandpa played it. And so when I when I moved to Canada and was here for a couple of years, I really missed it. I really wanted to listen to it. And so I started playing it. Rafa, let's talk about your musical origin story. And my understanding is that in El Salvador, you were growing up in an environment where, where music was politically charged. It wasn't just music. You could get arrested for, for playing certain songs or, or listening to certain artists like, like Victor Jara. Absolutely. Um, in the 80s, my dad actually played in a band in our town that played some of this protest music. And uh, But it wasn't until it was safe to do. But previous to that, it was very dangerous to even get caught with a record or cassette or uh, or listening to a, a clandestine radio, radio stations that would broadcast this music. Uh, very politically charged words had a lot of meanings. And, hmm. um, you know, and, those, and um, the governments were afraid of people with voices. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was that something you were aware of as a child, that sort of the, the fear that existed around being caught listening to the, to the wrong music? I, I would worry more now, <laughs> uh, knowing that's a very real thing. I mean, as a child, you don't really connect the two mm-hmm. things to, to a very uh, doom uh, ending, um, you know. But, uh, but I was aware that, m- you know, my dad would listen to a radio station only at certain times of the night. So very quietly, he had one of those, um, you know, portable radios. Uh, we listened to some of the news and and, uh, and and some of the music that came from South America, from uh, from Chile, from Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of protest music from Cuba as well, you know, uh, with Silvio Rodriguez and um, uh, Carlos Puebla and a lot of those other artists who, who had a voice uh, in their country. Some of them were exiled. Some of them lived in Italy and in Sweden uh, and places like that. And that's where they released our music. And when did your musical journey begin? Uh, I remember being a baby. Uh, my first memories as a, as a, as a little, little one is listening to Close to the Edge with my dad cranking it on yes. a stereo. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's, you know, and my dad was a, a guitar player. He, he mainly focused on, on classical music uh, and he was really good at it. He just never had the opportunity to... to develop that um, that musical part of him he was a busy guy he had you know children he was going to university at the time and he was also working uh, as, as a math teacher but he he listened to a lot of that stuff he listened to a lot of progressive rock uh, a lot of which was all mixed with everything else I mean he could one day be listening to Duran Duran um, and then the next day we could be listening to um, to Pink Floyd or Black Sabbath or Iron Maiden, um, and all of those things. So I grew up with that, you know, and, and to find somebody that liked this, liked this kind of music in El Salvador was fairly rare. So when I grew up, I started making, you know, friends of my own in high school. I met, uh, I met a friend who, his uncle lived in the, in the, uh, in the United States, and uh, he would send him CDs. Uh, from there, you know, bands like Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilot, Crash Test Dummies, uh, and uh, you know, and the like, and Pearl Jam, and so and so. With me and, and this friend, we explored a lot of that music, and we decided 
we wanted to be in bands. However, we wanted to play in a rock band. We didn't have uh, uh, no way to get an electric guitar or drums or mm -hmm. amplifiers or anything like that. So uh, one day it clicked. We were going to join a choir uh, at the church so that we could have access to instruments. Uh, and so, you know, we would perform our duties in church to, to play. Um, huh. But then after, you know, we will tell, you know, the priest will say, Father, we need to practice a little more. So you go and we'll close up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's when we got, uh, you know, our offsprings and, you know, green days out out of that. <laughs> so we will sneak those instruments out and we'll go play uh, uh, all the, the dance hall and pack it up and take it back again. So, you know, we we were pretty sneaky that way. Uh, it also sounds like, you know, for you, at, at one point, music was also a part of an expression of, of community, singing in a choir, being being in, in this tightly knit community, and then your family arrives in a brand new country. Uh, tell me a bit about uh, your early experiences, apart from, you know, the February weather shock. What was it like <laughs> for you to, to arrive in, in Canada and experience this different culture? I bounced around a lot in, in a lot of bands and a lot of cover bands and lots of stories and of touring as a poor musician, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, um, hmm. we, we encounter some, you know, uh, prejudice along the way, but, you know, it's, it's part of, um, uh, it was part of the times, I guess. And, um, what, what kind of, what kind of prejudice did you encounter? Is there a specific story that you can remember? There was one particular incident uh, that we were very tired of driving and we were very hungry for to get to a gig in, in uh, I'm not going to mention the town, but it was not Winnipeg. We're playing one of those, uh, you know, Irish bars that are, at, you know, with hotels. And uh, we were just about to start our first set after maybe nine hours of driving. And um, we play our first set and some customer complained to the manager. It was around the time of uh, the the invasion of Iraq, so mm -hmm. 2003. And um, this, this gentleman complained, and the complaint to the manager was that there was a, a slur uh, person mm -hmm. in the band, and he, and he is a good customer, and so the manager deferred to him. And so she really? came and Yes, she came and talked to us, and she says, you guys, uh, thanks for coming, I'll pay you for the night. And, uh, you know, I'll put you up in the hotel, but you're... you're your contract is canceled, right? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And we're just like, why? What happened? What did we do? We were late. You know, what is going on? No, this is what happened, right? And that's when we were, it was pretty deflating <laughs> to have that yeah. happen, right? Um, but, uh, you know, look, looking back, uh, I, no, nobody made a big deal of it. Uh, you know, it was, I guess maybe it's one of those things that you don't really, you don't, you're not tuned to yet, you know? Uh, or perhaps it's just shock. Jorge, what, what about you? Have you had those kinds of encounters in Canada? Um, the most notable was, uh, it has, I was with Rafa on stage, um, Aaron Irish Pub. <laughs> and uh, uh, we've played the, that venue before, uh, you know, a number of times. It's, uh, it's a, a venue that was, like, it's kind of a, it was a, a regular venue for many musicians in Winnipeg. And uh, uh, somebody started uttering um, slurs at us. And uh, I, I asked them to come to the microphone to apologize. Um, and they just kind of did it again. And so um, uh, I was about to jump off the stage and a, a lot of audience members stepped in. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the musicians all kind of, we calmed each other down. 
and security dragged them out. Um, but I made a pair, very public sort of plea um, on our social media to talk about that. Like I, like it's it's unacceptable now. It, it, it's not it's like it's you know I think it was 2014. We drew a line. Uh, it's like we this is not acceptable anymore. It's time to you can't go to a show and other racial slurs at the band. That's just insane. Unfortunately, it happened. And it was, as Rafa mentioned, it was a deflating experience because I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. Um, and it, the problem is that it's only Rafa and I who are visible, visibly Latin American. Um, the rest of the band is white. And so it was really at Rafa and I that the slurs were being, were being um, uttered um, and, no, and no one else. Um, and, uh, but we turned it around and we kind of, we, we did a, a, a sort of an Aikido of the mind and we, hmm. we, turned it into a, a community building experience for ourselves. Well, that takes a certain amount of courage and wisdom to be able to do that, both. I don't think that the courage or wisdom came from Rafa or I. <laughs> I think we were both pretty angry. Uh -huh. And I think rightfully so. Um, I think the other members of the band um, who had like a different perspective and point of view helped us kind of... Um, channel our anger into something that was more productive i i can imagine uh, the anger and and how that must have felt the music industry is not an inclusive place uh the creative industries uh, at, at large are non-inclusive places and i mean the problem is that they are we in our industries uh, there's a lot of people who are liberal, who are woke, uh, consider themselves liberal or woke, but still carry a lot of uh, uh, colonial programming um, with them. Hmm. They're not maliciously, um, you know, shielding from uh, people, people of color and indigenous people from opportunities, but they're still shielding people from opportunities. Our band has been recommended to apply for the world music category um, at the Junos and at the and at other many other awards. Um, instead of the rock category at some of the awards. And it, at one point in our career, we were big enough that we should have applied for the rock category and we might have actually won. Um, but we, we were recommended not to do so. And so basically what, what, what happens with that is that the world, the world music category is a ghetto. Yeah. Where uh, brown people are put so they can compete with each other and no one else. And so if there's two Mexican bands, they're only going to give it to one Mexican band, obviously, right? And so, that, and if there's like somebody from Africa doing Afrobeat and the mariachi goes, how can you assess the quality of both music in the same category? It makes no sense. And so these are all things that are, that are discrimination. They're not uttering racial slurs at us on the stage, but they are checking us into places that we don't choose. And so now... But Rafa and I and the rest of the Mayochi goes, we're using our platform to uh, enable and empower change and to leave uh, an industry for the people that are like us 10 or 12 years ago now so that there is a place in the industry that is dedicated to them, an unracist, inclusive place.
place, unoppressive place for them where they can shine, where their voice will be heard. Take us back to those early days of the Marechi ghost and this, and, 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 and this character that you've created. Uh, for folks who don't know, I mean, you have a certain look on stage. You, you uh, have a certain way you make up your faces uh, when you get on stage. Give me the, the beginner's guide to the Marechi ghost. Uh, totally. The Mayachi ghost is a man who does not know if he's dead or alive. Um, he's a fictitious character that is inspired by a traditional story, a traditional Mexico story called El Charro Negro. El Charro Negro is um, a, a, a writer. Um, charros are people who do charreria. It's a, it's a traditional sport in Mexico that is uh, related to horses. Um, and actually the cowboys in the, in the U.S. learned their skills from charros that were migrating to the states um and um el charro negro is a writer that comes in the night and finds people who are unjust who are unfair who are criminals who are sinners it's a very catholic thing <laughs> and uh he cuts the heads of the people who are um perpetrating these injustices wait so 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 justice was a foundational part of the band to begin with, and, and now it's evolved into part of what you do. I I I I, I guess so. I hadn't thought about that in that way, but yeah, it was the original character of the Mariachi Ghost has always been a, a justice bringer. Uh, Jorge spoke a, a bit about his own relationship to this music. I want to ask you also just about in terms of Latinidad, you know, being Latin American, coming from El Salvador to Canada, and now finding yourself as part of this band. What has it meant to you for for your identity to to be in the Mariachi Ghost? It's that's an interesting way to put it because I feel I'm Canadian. Mm -hmm. uh, I I have been, and I know this is just numbers, but uh, I have been here over half my life mm -hmm. in, in Canada. Um, a place like El Salvador has evolved uh, so much in the last 20, 25 years. And and uh, I, I just wouldn't know what to do going back there, right? I would feel left out. Uh, come from a fairly uh, open mind, liberal sort of society where, you know, you can do whatever you want to do and no one's going to judge you. Where, you know, there are places where there's a lot of repressive mentality still. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I'm... I'm, I'm very proud of who I am, where I come from. Um, you know, uh, Salvadorians are very hardworking people, um, and they. Um, it, it seems that they have never had a chance to really develop as a society. There's always been somebody who wanted to rule them one way or the other, um, and so that's um, no fault to 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 the population, right? Um, and. In those experiences as a kid over there, they made all of us who we are, right? Uh, wh wherever you grew up. Um, so I, uh, I'm proud of being El Salvadorian and I'm proud of being Canadian because I, I, can, um, I can reconcile both sides of me and, 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 and mold and take away what is not good and add what's good to it and and uh and be that type of person um have that approach to all things that's a beautiful answer uh, jorge i wonder if you have anything to add to that to that topic um I, I i i've lived almost half of my life in canada i've been here for almost 18 years um i have a son in canada and i have i i feel like rafa i have half of my identity and half of my heart um the north pole of my heart is in winnipeg 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, I have a, I, I have, I have a very deep roots in Mexico and my mom is still in Mexico. My brother is still in Mexico. Um, some of my best friends still live in Mexico. And so I have really deep, really deep rooted connections with Mexico, but I also have really deep rooted commercial connections in, in Winnipeg. And I, I've made a family here. Um, not only just with my wife and my child and her family, but the band is, uh, is, is an extension of our family. Like we act like a family, we interact like a family, we fight like a family. Uh, we have events like families. We, you know, we're uncles to each other's kids and we're reflecting upon the gifts that, that, that Canada and Winnipeg have given me. The Mariachigos is one of those gifts. The Mariachigos is, is an entirely Canadian experiment. It's, we were able to create something that was multicultural, a reflection of the city that we live in with influences from Mennonite four-part choir singing to, you know, like chicha and, and fran francophone, uh, you know, singer-songwriter influences, you know, and Jamaican influences all happening in, in one place, in one band, in the basement, you know, minus 48 winter day in Winnipeg, Manitoba, in the suburbs. You know, it's, it's a very, very Canadian experience, and, and we're very proud about that. Um, and, and we're very happy that uh, our friends allowed us to put our culture first, uh, and showcase our culture. They they didn't ask us to, hey, hey, why are you doing my culture? They were like, no, 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 we'll help you do yours. Um, and I think that's incredible Canadian. And I'm I'm very proud of 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 being able to do that. Um, and, you know, we've even represented Canada in some international stages. We, we we went to the Canada House in Southwest Southwest representing Canada. We went to the Canada House in Italian Music Week representing Canada. And it was, you know, um people from the Mexican embassy were shocked to see um Mariachi suits on the stage hmm. in Estonia, um, representing Canada. So we're the Mariachi suits that represent Canada, and uh, we're very proud, proud about that. Well, Jorge, Rafael, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's wonderful to get to know you guys and to hear your stories. Thank you. Thanks, thank man. you. Really appreciate it. Jorge Requena Ramos is the lead singer of the Mariachi Ghost. Jorge grew up in Mexico. His bandmate, Rafael Reyes, grew up in El Salvador, and he's the lead guitarist of the Mariachi Ghost. Jorge and Rafael joined me from their homes in Winnipeg. Dicen que ya no te quiero, porque no te lloro. If you'd like to hear more stories like this one and help new listeners discover this podcast, make sure to rate Countless Journeys on your favorite podcast app or leave us a review. Countless Journeys comes to you from the Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21, located at the Halifax Seaport. Thanks for listening. My name is Paolo Pietropaolo. Bye for now. Los muertos no son